0: So we look through God's Word and find the occasions where different writers were inspired by God to rehearse the acts of God so we don't forget. Why do we meet in church every week? Why do we meet at church several times a week? So that we don't forget what God has done. (coughs) In um, the book of Malachi, chapter 3, in verse 16, it reads, Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard, heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall he return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. And that's Malachi 3, 16 to 18. And a book of remembrance was written. I wonder if the Lord writes anything about us here. There are others that write derogatory things about us, not in our country, but in the Jerusalem Post. <laughs> And uh, <clears throat> they call our missionary a cheeky missionary. Praise the Lord for a cheeky missionary that would dare to do what he's done in Israel. <laughs> and they've taken the video that we made right here when Andrew and Rachel, when the ordination happened. It's, it's on our webpage, so they've looked it up and they've written about that in the Jerusalem Post. Oh, uh, Praise the Lord. They, they write about us. And often they'll put up what Andrew has put out in tracks in the newspaper to knock it. But don't know at the same time they're promoting it because it's there. So praise the Lord. And he writes a book of remembrance. As we go through the Old Testament, there's many, many what we call testimonies of people that God used and they rehearsed the things of God they rehearsed the acts of God they went over the testimony of the saints of of different times and so we'll look at a few of those we mightn't cover all those that are listed in our um, outline there on telegram but we'll cover a few let's pray thank you Lord that we can rehearse what you have done in our lives we can look at what you've done in other people's lives we have a a record of human history in the Bible, accurately recorded, inspired by God, of the records of how you worked in in and among your people, often in miraculous ways to bring deliverance and salvation to the saints. And I pray that we would be encouraged as we look back over the year, there might be things that we are ashamed of, but things that you have blessed and we can rejoice in, And I pray, Lord, that we'd have more as we look forward to the new year that you are about to give us. Lord, bless the word as it's shared tonight and our fellowship afterward at the home open to us at the Nelson's. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in the book of Exodus, we'll start and move forward from there. In the book of Exodus, Moses orders Joshua to fight Amalekic. Aaron and Ur had to hold up Moses' hands. And in chapter 17, and verse 8 to 16, we have the record, but just narrowing it down to verse 14, where it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalekic, um, uh, Amalek sorry, uh, from under heaven. Write it, record it, and remember it. I think that name I've heard on the news lately, Amalek. They say people are declaring the Gazans to be descendants of, and they said, Amalek. I think it might've been a rabbi. But utterly destroy them. It doesn't sound like there was gonna be anyone left. (laughs) But write a book of remembrance of the acts of God on our behalf as though going toward the promised land And uh, remember the occasion and and Moses arms got weary and they sort of put rocks under him and and then they held his, because as long as his hand and the rod fell then the Amalekites would win the victory or start winning and then when his hands went up Israel would win and it's to record that God is with the Saints God is working through the Saints and for the Saints and to bring about his testimony and Amalek was defeated. Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. Write it in the book of. For a memorial. Rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Rehearse it after Joshua is gone. Because at the end of Joshua. He said that's for me and my house. I've served the Lord. Your turn. <laughs> and so that we might have. A remembrance of these things, and we can remember them today, can't we? We can preach from them. Sermons are are taken from many of the Old Testament saints and the things that happened in the book of Judges, in the book of the Kings. Read them because we need to rehearse it too. We need to see how God works. We need to see how God gives the saints the victory and to be encouraged by the memorial that is given us in the Word of God. His Word will stand forever. Get acquainted with it now, and the more you read it through and through and through, the better understanding you have. There was a lady that visited us here some weeks ago. She recently got become a Christian. She has a country town in Victoria, and she didn't say. Someone else told me that she's read the Bible through twice already. Hadn't been saved less than a year. That sort of pushes to shame, doesn't it? Excited, encouraged about the things of the Lord. Let's let's do that. Let's let's have our first love rekindled like the Ephesus church needed by reading and remembering and rehearsing the things of God we so soon forget and we get all tangled up with our life go back to the book so Moses orders Joshua there to do these things and, re- and, and tell the people Joshua and then we go to the book of Judges <clears throat> there's a lot of other ones between the book of Judges Here we have the song of Deborah and Barak as they rehearsed the victory over the Canaanites and Sisera, the captain of the Canaanites. In chapter 5, verse 11, we're just looking, picking verses out here of Judges. They who are, I mean Joshua, no I'm not, I'm right. They who are delivered from the noise of the arches in the pa- places of the drawing of water. The noises of the arches. You think of that. If you're at war and there's those with bow and arrows on the other side. You know, and the mo- this multitude of arrows coming all at once and you can't hide. You have to hide. But <laughs> delivered from the noise of the arches, the place of the drawing of the water. The There shall they rehearse the righteous acts of the Lord, even the righteous acts toward the inhabitants of his villages in Israel. Then shall the people of the Lord go down to the gates. You see, there's a rehearsing. The victory over the Canaanites by Deborah and Barak and Sisera. Well, we go back to chapter 4 and verse 21 of Judges. And Jael, Herbert's wife, took a nail of the tent and took a hammer in her hand and went softly unto him. She must have been using this hammer to peek down the tent at times because she knew how to use the hammer and went softly to him and smote the nail in his temples and fastened it to the ground and he, for he was fast asleep and weary so he died. Deborah, a woman, (laughs) instead of the man taking up the leadership, and then she, Jael, Herbert's wife, finished the job when Cicero was running away, having his army decimated. Jael, Herbert's wife, nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) We say nailed it. And she did. I put down in in the side of my Bible, Jael took a nail... And didn't fail. <laughs> she did the job that the others couldn't do. Are any ladies here willing to go and nail someone to the ground? <laughs> with a tent peg as it were? Whoa. <laughs> Rehearse this. Rehearse this. This is an encouragement to the ladies. Um, <clears throat> they rehearsed the righteous acts of the Lord toward the inhabitants of, and it said, all his villages. You see, we go in Australia. When you leave Albury, what's the first town out of Albury? The little one on the right-hand side. You're going past there. Come on. That's south, of course. (laughs) No, there's the one before... No, there's that one in... Barnawatha, that's it. Barnawatha, then Chiltern, then Springhurst, and then you're at Wangaratta, and that's about, what, 80 kilometres. But they're spread out. But if you went 80 kilometers over there in that day, you'd be passing a multitude of little villages. You go over there now, and you see that just the foundations sticking out of the dirt here, there, and everywhere, all over Israel. And they that, they could spend a thousand years digging them up, the archaeologists, and finding all the the treasures there of what the history. But all the villages were there delivered when this occurred. Rehearse it. Encourages encourage the people in the little towns, and folk bigger churches should be helping little churches rejoice in the victories that have been won little churches can have their victories too the lord can save by a few or by a lot can't he that's what the bible says so the song of deborah it was written to rehearse the things that god had done for them let's go to the book of joshua now the book of joshua We'll back to the book of Joshua chapter 24 and we'll go to verse 14 and 15 now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the Euphrates or of the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord They remember we were slaves down in Egypt Put, put away those gods and if it seem evil unto you serve the lord choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served they're on the other side of the river that's the nile the uh down there the great river they call it or the gods of the amorites in whose land ye dwell but as for me and my house we will serve the lord and as you read from verses 1 to 13 i'm giving you a land in verse 13 a land you didn't lay before a uh, cities which you built not and ye dwell in them for uh, of the vineyards and of the olive yards which ye planted not shall ye eat remember these things remember before they got there they were told they were going to a land of milk and honey remember the rebels in the wilderness you promised to take us to a land of milk and honey and look at your land in the desert two million of us without a tap without a water without a creek <laughs> and and they started complaining you said you'd go to land and milk well because of your disobedience you did rehearse these things remember these things we learn from our mistakes have you through life learned it's a wise man learns at other people's mistakes even a fool learns at his own mistakes that's what really happens and i pray that we've learned and here they were to rehearse these things the history of Israel to that point and choose you this day whom you will serve as you go forward into the next w- next year. We, say, we hear that often as we move forward. And so as we go forward, remember the acts of God on our behalf, the things that God has surprisingly brought up in your life that have been a blessing and an encouragement an enrichment to you and to others in your life. You think of that and the blessing you can be to them. Be a blessing to others and re- as you can rehearse the things that God has done. The psalmist asked for in Psalm 78 and verses 3 right through the chapter. We won't read it all, but Psalm 78, verse 3, we read, Which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. They've rehearsed it. Fathers, let's do it. <laughs> Grandfathers, let's do it. We will not hide them from their children, showing the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. And as you read that verse and the verse before it, there are four generations that are mentioned there, and they've kept going on the straight and narrow path. Why have they kept going? Because these things have been rehearsed to them. Tell the next generation. Tell the next generation. Parents. Don't fail in your obligation to tell the next generation, the next group of people coming through, to rehearse the works of God. <laughs> you know, I, th- I think back to the first camp we had. We think of camps. The first camp was held in Moama, 50, you know, I'm just working at my age, 50, I think 55 years ago, was it? 50, 55, 56. Yeah, 55, 56 years ago in Moama. And I can remember clearly how God worked in those camps. I haven't seen it happen as largely and as pointedly as at those camps. Young people were coming forward weeping in repentance. They didn't have to have an invitation. They just moved out because God was working in the midst of them. Rehearse the things that God has done rehearse the opportunities to your children of the opportunities to testify for the lord go over them we have the bible but we do have our own experiences we can encourage others i, I was taking the car through the car wash after visiting the doctor oh yeah it needs a wash. I drove in there and there's an elderly man he's fairly thin and tall just just around here and i you know you're paying and he said happy new year i said I pray you, no, I night I I pray. I trust you had a blessed Christmas, and a big grin come on his face. <laughs> That's the way to put it. He said. And I thought, yeah, there's a Christian. <laughs> a blessed Christmas. People, non-Christians don't say that. Christians say that. And he could identify. And 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 he he, he scrubbed my car good. <laughs> come out cleaner. <laughs> I got the cheapest wash, but I probably got the best wash. I do not know what button he pressed. I wasn't after that but you see rejoice with those that do rejoice and um, he, he, it, it, ma- it made his day and my day as we talked just briefly rehearse the acts of God to your children in perpetuity they were to show God's wonderful works unless they forget they didn't have printing presses they didn't have <laughs> iPhones hey I didn't have an iPhone S- uh, who had an iPhone growing up here Put up your hand. There's not a whole lot of us. You know, you know, something you could go and look up like a computer and look up so many things. Not many of us. But nowadays they've got everything at their fingertips. So They can rehearse the things of God. Uh, who told me this? T- t- someone said, I- I- here's my phone. I put four versions, no, four languages of the Bible on it. Who, who said that to me? I heard it this week. Jill did we saw it somewhere and you can put it on your phone and and not that you can speak all those languages but it can be used what an opportunity that we can go over and rehearse these things so easily but in the day that these no printing press until 16 something Gutenberg press and we've got the, the books that not many young people read anymore because they're all on their phone and Pastor McConnell could you give your books away it's pretty hard to give books away today isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so after a life of ministry, and, and and Isaac, who comes on Friday night, he he said to me, "I know a all He's in Melbourne." I said, "Oh, that's Graham." And he said he gave me his whole library, a pastor for all his life. He's a generation before me, and <clears throat> he was rejoicing that he got the library. But might not, not many of us sit down and read a book and rehearse the things that God has done. You know, there's uh, there's a book we've got with fifty great testimonies of. God used people in, in recent history and be encouraged. And that's what the psalmist is saying. As is saying here, re, re, rehearse these things before your children. Well, it says, it goes on and says, "...for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them know their, known to their children." that the generation to come might know them even the children who should be born they're not yet born for who should arise and declare them to their children so he's talking of generations to come talk about these things that they might set their hope in god and not forget the works of god but keep his commandments and might be as their fathers They might not be, as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Rehearse the things of God to your children. Israel now being brought back, as it were, from the graveyard, from Ezekiel 37, all the bones coming together and the flesh. They're beginning to realise that, well, they know that they're the people chosen the nation chosen by God the lands chosen the people are chosen and but they don't know Jesus Christ <laughs> they know the Old Testament and they are starting to rehearse the things of God and said that the people of Israel the army of Israel all the reservists that have been called up three 300,000 that volunteered from other countries and come home to do it to they're all wearing phylacetries and they're all putting it they're decking themselves out with the things of the orthodox they didn't do this this has caused them to think spiritual i mean old testament we can say spiritual we think about the lord jesus christ and they're beginning to get into their minds and on the it, on the battlefield there they are having meetings they're setting up in synagogues they're setting them up everywhere and they're praying and and you see the fella dressed all in his army gear and he he's he, he's the uh, what, the rabbi doing his thing for them they're getting spiritual and we're praying for you and you think they're praying to the same god but are, is he hearing them he sh- he's pulled the shutters closed because they would not repent and believe the Lord Jesus. Anyway, I'll get on that. I'll get off that. <laughs> they need to rehearse. They are. And as asked for praise, and they were probably reading these sort of Psalms. The, the Lord Jesus, chapter 23 of Matthew. The Lord Jesus rehearsed the devilish and devious deeds of the Pharisees in chapter 23 and verse 29. He said to them, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have partaken with them in the blood of the prophets. We would not have slain the prophets. Hmm. Wherefore, Jesus continued, Ye are witnesses unto yourselves that Ye are the children of them who killed the prophets. It's a wonder the Lord got away with re- saying these things to them as far as he did. But he did. It was the Lord. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. They've done it. You're going to do it. You're about to do it to me. He said, The Lord Jesus said, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can ye escape the damnation of hell? And sometimes people need to be reminded in a very blunt way that they have done these things. There's a whole group of people in the world today and they're growing immensely and they're infiltrating all the, all the countries. The Muslim movement. Yeah. And uh, they are against God, the God that we know. They've got their God. we got the God of heaven and the God of eternity. One day God is going to teach them the only way that they'll learn is a thumping, a thumping victory upon them. It's in the Bible. That's the only way these people are going to learn. And pray to God it's not a long way off because if it doesn't happen, things are going to get exceedingly worse in European countries. What European country didn't have, didn't invite them from Syria to come in? Was it Poland, I think. Poland yeah, we we're talking about the other day. They're not having problems there. But the other European countries that have had them come in, what's happening? Riots in the street, loudspeakers and things that are happening. Um, <clears throat> you could almost say this This could apply to them. You serpents of gener- generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send you on unto you prophets and wise men and scribes and and some of them ye shall this is now future you see the, the Lord speaking at the end of the Old Testament and looking in toward the New Testament he said I'm going to send you wise men and prophets and scribes and some of them ye shall kill and crucify and some ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city that sounds like Paul he went it's in the book of Acts from city to city capturing hailing people men and women and boys and children uh, boys and girls to prison god captured him on the way to road to damascus and persecuted you're going to do you're going to fill up what your father's started sometimes it's good to rehearse these things to the people that need to hear it but often they won't have ears to hear did these people listen to the lord jesus the lord jesus is still alive he's still preaching here to them did they listen to him what did they do to him? They did exactly what he said they would do to those that followed the Lord Jesus. They crucified him. That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed from upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel, Cain and Abel, back in the Garden of Eden, unto the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakai, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. And then he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He went into that, that cry for them, rehearsing the things that they have done, that they're doing and that they were going to do, but still they didn't repent. There's coming a day when they will. And what a day it'll be. So the devious and devilish acts for the purpose of convicting them, but they weren't convicted. In chapter seven of the book of Acts, here's someone else rehearsing the things of the past. Stephen, what is Stephen known as? What, what, the, the first martyr. In chapter 7 and verses 1 to 33, we have the record of the first martyr and he stands up, he said to the high priest, are these things so? And he said, men, brethren, and fathers, hearken, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in haran that he he started down in ur of the chaldeans and went up to haran he's still on the other side of the euphrates river and said unto him get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred there's a command and come out into the land which i shall show thee then came he out of the land of the chaldeans and dwelt in haran and from there when his father was dead you see go out from your kindred but he kept daddy I mean, he kept dad. Dad is an American's face. He kept dad. Until dad died, he couldn't move forward. He removed him into his land in which ye now dwell. And he gave him no inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give him to him for a possession and to his seed after him when as yet he had no child. And and so Abraham's going on promises, isn't he? (laughs) The promises. And Stephen rehearsed all the things to the nation that was before him at that time. He started with Abraham, their father, and went right through briefly doing their history, the sermon. Who was listening in? Who was listening that day? Paul. Was he, he was one of those back in, in Matthew 23. He was fighting against the things of God. He was holding the garments of the people that would then stone Stephen for his convicting sermon. But Stephen did a rehearsal, and this sermon I don't believe ever left the mind of Saul before he became Paul, all his persec- as he persecuted the church, because immediately that God did the miracle of shining that light upon him on the road to Damascus, going to persecute the saints there. What did Paul say? Who art thou, Lord? He said it. He was almost making confession and repentance. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou whom thou persecutes. The saints that you're persecuting, you're persecuting Jesus when you persecute his saints. And he knew straight away. He he, he got saved straight away, because, and I folk believe. That in Israel, there are men now in that position who know the Old Testament. They're going to the yeshiva, the yeshivas, the rabbis are there lecturing and teaching them. They might be down in Gaza, young virgin men who are hearing these things and are like Paul, having it go in and thinking it. But one day, it, it'll it'll, come true. And they'll understand and comprehend you say, well, Stephen was life was wasted. <laughs> no, it wasn't. His martyrdom was uh, sowing the seeds for the church to grow, wasn't it? Through his martyrdom, multitudes got saved. Paul got saved, and then the, the the Gentiles heard the message from Paul and Barnabas and Silas and others that went with him. Rehearse the history. Rehearse it over and over. So, <coughs> Paul. <laughs> Paul did the same as he was standing there to unsaved Gentiles in Acts chapter 17. He, he come to Athens to Mars Hill and he looked at them worshipping their false gods and he said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive in verse 22 of chapter 17, that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and behold your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription. And folk, we look out to some mainline denominations they are more committed as it were than real Christians they've got more zeal they go knocking on doors I haven't had one knock on my door for a long time I think they avoid our house now <laughs> but they go out and Paul said to the unknown God whom you therefore ye ignorantly worship they worship but they don't know who they don't know what it's the lord jesus christ and nobody else that they ought to worship and then he started in on verse 24 because these people were religious but they hadn't they weren't jewish religion he said god who made the world and all things in it seeing that he is lord of heaven and earth this is what we need to do to gentiles this is what we need to do to people who've never heard of God, never been to Sunday school. A lot of people in our in our country now that never went to church. It used to be a generation ago that most people had been to Sunday school somewhere or a youth club. But now there's not. And so we have to start where Paul started with the people at Athens with creation. Because that's where it started. And we can start with the Lord Jesus, but they don't understand creation and the fall. And all men are sinners from there. You've you've got to start back and say you're a sinner because you're born one. And that's what Paul did. And he rehearsed these things to them. For in him, he said, we live and move and have our being. Certain of your own poets, Paul was read in, in their things too, said, for we are also his offspring. Paul was able to draw in some things. He had knowledge of where they were at in their thinking as he rehearsed these things to the unsaved and he rehearsed creation remember that and the creationist people will say that you've got to go back there to help people to understand where it all started why we needed a sacrifice the lord jesus because of our sin back in the garden Uh, i like this one with this one we'll have to finish there are more many more but in acts chapter 14 Paul and Barnabas had left Antioch some years earlier on their shanxious pony, their feet. They walked in ministry to the places in chapter 14, verse 26. <clears throat> they finished their first missionary journey. They did Paul did three, not with Barnabas. He, he took other Silas and others with him at other times. Mm-hmm. And from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended in the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. They'd gone out, they'd preached around Turkey, present-day Turkey, and come back to Antioch. That's up in higher Lebanon at present. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how that he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. They rehearsed it all. They went back to their local church and said, listen to the blessing we've had. Listen to the people's names that got saved. Listen to the churches about the churches that have been planted. Listen to the elders as we come back through and appointed elders in the, and pastors in the churches as we return. Listen to what God is doing among the Gentiles. And what do you think the people of the church at Antioch did when Paul and Barnabas recited all that God had done? They got excited. They got encouraged. They got uplifted. Charles Weigel, have you heard of him? You've probably sung a song or two of his as a Baptist evangelist, noted hymn writer, wrote more than a thousand hymns. He entered Heaven's Gates in December the 3rd, 1966, at the age of 95 from Chattanooga, Tennessee, After he was called to be an evangelist, his wife came to him one day and said, I'm leaving, Charlie. I don't want to live the life you're living. I want to go the other way, to the bright lights. Their only child, a daughter, left with her. That very night, Charles saw them off on a train to the other side of the country. Five years passed before he wrote another song. He was so discouraged. But God healed him. His wife died as a consequence of a life of sin. And a few years after she left him, not long after she'd left he remarried and continued in evangelism and hymn writing. The following is from Victorious Life Sermons by Charles Weigel, with a conclusion about his last years at Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga. I wish the church there was still as it was in that day. <laughs> anyway, that's another story. On the banks of the Welshby River stands this prosperous Midwestern city of La Fayette. That's in America, a hometown of Purdue University. When it was young, the school, just two years old, Charles Frederick Wiegel was born November the 20th, 1871, in a family of God-fearing German Lutheran uh, people, a baker and his wife. Weigel's family was composed of 12 members, five boys and seven girls, and a full complement there. It was a typical German family. As a boy, young Charles Weigel was accustomed to hearing his father pray. The Bible reading was observed at family worship every morning immediately following breakfast. Charles Weigel was converted at the age of 12 after being under conviction for quite some time. The Methodist church of the town was having a series of revival meetings in a little frame church where his parents attended. A great number of his friends and playmates came under conviction and were going forward during the progress of the meeting, during the meeting, not at the end. They were just convicted. They come up the front and weeping before the Lord. That's why it happened in times in revivals. This made an indelible impression upon young Charles Weigel. Even though he resisted longer than most of the others, then one night a strong, overpowering realisation that he was he was lost came over him. His testimony of conversion is as follows. Listen to this. This is rehearsing. Someone that was born again and how it happened. I was born and read in a Christian home. Every member of our family attended church services and went to Sunday school. We had family worship in the home every morning. I supposed I was about as good as an average boy of my age. I had a bad temper however and by the time I was 12 years of age I was fighting with my brothers (laughs) You remember back to those days? (laughs) And uh, and the neighbourhood boys, while having trouble with my ol- my older brother, I cut him with a knife very seriously, I knocked a neighbour boy down with a ball bat because he didn't play to suit me. On another occasion, while ringing. While ringing a heavy dinner bell in a polite per- political polite pol- political parade, a young fellow who did not like the, cr- like the crowd I was marching with, ordered me to put the de- the. The bell down and I brought it down all right on his head and they carried him home to recuperate this is only 12 year old <laughs> my parents punished me severely for those misdeeds and warned me to stop fighting lest I be arrested and go sent to prison but I paid little attention to them there came a, a day when I was arrested for my misdeeds and taken to court now listen to this because you have to get it toward the end As I sat alone and saw the crowd in the room waiting to see what the judge would do with me, I realised the seriousness, seriousness of the situation. It appeared as if I were doomed to go to prison, for I was guilty. When the judge came in and took his place behind the bench, he looked down at my shrinking form and said with a voice that sounded like the knell of doom to me, "'Young man, have you an attorney?' I said, "'No, sir, I haven't got anybody.' He looked over the courtroom and then motioned to a handsome young man to come forward and said to him, you will kindly act as, as his attorney. The handsome young lawyer came and sat down beside me and took charge of my case. One thing that brought a little hope to my heart was the attitude of my new attorney. He sat close to me and spoke to me with a voice that was full of tender sympathy. I felt that he was my friend and that he cared for me and wanted to help me. When I told him all of my mean things I'd been doing, for which I had been arrested, he assured me that he would help me. All I had to do was tell the truth and leave the rest with him. That seemed to relieve my mind somewhat. After the trial began, however, one witness after another testified against me. I began to lose hope. One of them said I knocked him down with a a ball bat. And almost killed him. My attorney said, did you do that? I said, yes, sir. The next, the next witness accused me of having seriously injured him with a heavy dinner bell. And my attorney said, did you do that? I said, yes, sir. My own brother came to witness against me declaring that I had used a knife on him and almost taken his life. My attorney turned to me and asked, have you been guilty of all these acts? And I said, yes, sir and a lot of other things they don't even know about. He tried to relieve my fears by saying, "'Trust me, I'll help you.' Finally, the prosecution, prosecuting attorney rose up and speaking to the judge said, "'Your Honour, according to the evidence "'brought by these witnesses, "'the defendant is guilty of all charges brought against him. "'He is a potential murderer and a menace to his community, "'and we asked that he be placed in prison "'for a long duration of time.' "'Then my heart sank within me and I said, To myself, there is no hope for me. When my attorney arose to speak in my defence, I wondered what he could do for me. Looking at the judge, he said, Father, that one word brought hope to me. Looking at his father, the judge said, Father, the defendant pleads guilty in every charge brought against him. He asks for mercy, and as his attorney, I plead for him. I believe that if the court will grant my plea, this young man will live a new and better life. I thought saw the judge rise, rise to his feet as my attorney spoke. There was a look of love and kindness, and he said, But my son, the defendant, is guilty. There is a penalty that must be paid according to the law. I'll take care of that and suffer the penalty, said my attorney. And then to my joy and amazement, the judge said, It is the decision of the court that in response to the plea made by the attorney for the defendant, he is pardoned and set at liberty, with the understanding that he show by his manner of life a due respect for the law and kindness toward his neighbours. I was free. My heart was filled with joy, and I clasped the hand of my attorney with moist eyes, trying to express my gratitude. He placed his arms around me, and in a voice that sounded like the music of angels' harps, he said... You and I will be friends forever. We'll be brothers, and whenever you keep, or you need any help, you may come to me and I'll help you. Since that day, he has never forgotten me. We've been as close as brothers can be down through the years. Let me explain to you the fact. The courthouse where I had this wonderful experience, said Weigel, was a little frame church during the progress of a revival where the great truths of the Bible were being preached. One night, night, as I sat on the rear seat, the Holy Spirit, the Sheriff of Heaven, arrested me and led me to the front in the sight of all the people present. I was convicted and condemned and confessed my guilt to Almighty God. There seemed to be no hope. My sins towered up before me. Then Jesus came and quieted my fears. The Attorney. (laughs) He paid the penalty for all my sins and guilt. He pleaded my case in the high court of heaven and won my pardon. When this great truth dawned upon my heart, my mind, my heart was filled with gratitude and praise. There came great love into my heart for my Saviour, the love that has grown until he, he has the chief place in my life. Someday I expect to see him face to face. That will be heaven for me. We sing at times what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs did bear. You will find this to be a reality when you put your trust in him as your Saviour. He came into the world to save sinners and to bring peace into the and joy to our lives. He's your friend, you need. And in nineteen fifty one, at eighty years old, Weigel approached the pastor Lee Robinson of Highland Church, Chattanooga, and said He would like to spend his remaining years in the Bible College campus near to train the young men and inspire them in the Lord's work. He was provided with a place for 15 years, and during those years, Tennessee Temple built a music centre and named it the Weagle Centre. Weagle continued to write music in his old age. He wrote A Garden of Roses during those years and sang it personally in a service at Highland Park Church there. In his sermon... A key to spiritual growth, Robinson, Lee, Dr. Lee Robertson said, I never saw such a man in my life. The last time I saw Dr. Weigel in his room, in his apartment, he was sitting in a chair reading the Word of God and putting notations in his Bible at 95 years old. Pastors can't help, and I pray that people can't help to do that. As you read, oh, there's a jewel, and write something next to it. I might use that one day. I might be in a sermon one day. I might be in testifying one day. He was still doing it at 95. In his sermon, the key to spiritual growth, Robinson said, I never saw such a man as this. On Weagle's 95th birthday, Highland Park hosted a ber- big birthday party for him in the city auditorium in Chattanooga and sang, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. We don't sing that song here because it's not in our hymnal. We do have I have hymn books here tonight that have got it in, but we can't sing it because I haven't. I just looked it up this afternoon. What a blessing to hear and rehearse a person's testimony. Now, from twelve years old to ninety-five years old, he served the Lord. His wife took off, and uh, the Lord still still used him. How's the Lord using? As you look back, as you rehearse the years, as rehearse the testimony, as you what testimony can you write down What the, how the Lord has used you where he's used you he can still use you if you haven't been used you have to commit yourself to him let's pray thank you Lord for your word thank you for the testimony of scripture and of the ancients of old the prophets the priests and those who wrote the word of our saviour the Lord Jesus thank you as our attorney you have come next to us and you have fixed the problem of sin you have sent it as far as the east is from the west. And Lord, you'll be our friend forever. And I pray that we've come to you and been saved and trusted you as our saviour. The blood of Christ has atoned for my sins, we can say. And Lord, help us to build a testimony, if we haven't one yet, that would build one from now that we can share with unsaved people and show the excitement that Lord, and the encouragement that we have from being a Christian to unsaved people. And Lord, it might be contagious that they want to know our attorney, our saviour, the Lord Jesus, who pleads the case before his father in heaven, the Lord God. Bless us as we go our way this year looking for new opportunities on how to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.